0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. How are we doing, Summit Church? It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, I'm Todd. I'm one of the pastors here, and normally I would be exiting stage left, but um, Pastor Mel is out of town this weekend. Uh, He and Kim are at a pastor's retreat in Texas. Um, It's in the hospitality room. If you could get it for me, I'd be a lot better with my notes, probably. Um, But he and Kim are at a pastor's retreat in Texas um, with our good friend Jim Hennessy. You guys all know uh, Jim. They're good friends of the summit. And so they invited um, Mel and Kim to come down there and to have... Uh, some time just to get away and to be poured into with a group of other pastors, and so we're glad that they got to do that. And so I get the privilege of launching us into this brand new series, Love Song Lies, and that, of course, was the 1979 classic by Hall & Oates, You Make My Dreams. Um, thank you. You're a good man. I don't care what Brian says. So we get to launch into, into this series today. And, and what we're doing is we take a love song like the one that we just played... And then we expose the lies that we tend to believe about love that maybe are contained in the song, and then we talk about the truth, we try to reveal the truth of what the Word of God says about how love functions in our lives, what it ought to be, its proper place, its proper perspective. And so today we're going to jump in and we're going to look at some of the things that the song says, and then we're going to flip over and look at some of the things that the Word of God says, and hopefully in doing that, in that process, we'll reveal some of the things in our lives that maybe are out of line with where God wants us to be and we can begin to line up more with what God would have us to do, how he would have us to live and we can be created and made more into the image of Jesus because that's the goal of this thing, right? That we be like him. So from the first time that a boy laid eyes on a girl, we've been writing love songs. Um, In fact... When Adam saw Eve for the very first time, he exclaimed, Finally, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Now, I don't know if I mean if that's not the beginning of a love song, I don't know what is. Uh, I'm going to like give away my age maybe a little bit. But when I was a kid, there was this artist named Leon Petillo. Uh, some of you may remember Leon Petillo, but he actually had a song. It was, You are flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. There's no one closer. Anyway. um, So, but if that's not, so that's, I mean, it's a love song, right? And so from from the very outset of this thing, this relationship between men and women, we've been writing songs about it. I I don't know why that is. I mean, we maybe just don't have the right words to express it any other way, Um, man, this is kind of a sad track that I didn't take in the other services, but I, um, I was a theater minor in college. Shocking, right? Um, but uh, so I used to love to do musical theater. And, you know, on the outside, when you look on the outside, looking in, musicals don't make a whole lot of sense because, I mean, I don't normally have a conversation with Pastor Steve during the week and then burst into song. It just, you know, it, people would think that was a little odd. But the point of song in a musical theater production is that you, you get to a crescendo, right? There, there becomes a crescendo in the emotional moment where mere words will not continue to express what needs to be conveyed. And so they begin to sing because there's emotion and there is weight that is carried on, on notes and on melodies that don't really get conveyed any other way. That's really part of the reason a big part of the reason that we sing when we come together as a body because there is there is something significant that is carried on melody and on notes that just doesn't happen in any other way and it helps us to connect with things that are beyond what we are able to express in any other way and that's why we write love songs and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we muster the loftiest language that we can, can find, and we make astounding promises of what we will do, and we tend to really over-exaggerate what life with that other person will be like, and we make these huge promises about what we're going to be able to do for them and how great the depths of our love is. And, you know, and like I say, while there's nothing wrong with using that kind of grand language to try and communicate the depth of our feelings for someone, The the unfortunate truth is that we often fall into the trap of of believing what really is a lie about love. So, over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at some of those. We're going to start today. And we'll take a look at what Scripture teaches us about that as well. So let me pray for us, and then, then we'll dive in, All right, God, I love you, and I thank you that you give us the privilege of coming together and opening your word together and being changed by it. Lord, we want to be a people who reflect who you are. We want to be a people who love well. And so God, I pray today that you would expose some of the lies that we tend to believe about love. And Lord, I pray that you would strip those things away so that we are able to love in the way that you do, so that we are able to love well, uh, and so that we are able to reflect your glory to the world around us that our homes and our lives would be marked by your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a recent college graduate applied for a job at a big company. And as he was in the interview, the interviewer asked him um, what kind of salary he's looking for. So he replied and said, well, you know, um, I was thinking around $125,000 a year, maybe higher depending on how good your benefits package is. And the interviewer stopped for a second and then replied and said, Well, um, how about this? We'll start you at $130,000 a year. We'll enroll you in our executive medical plan with full vision and dental. We'll give you a corner office, eight weeks of paid vacation per year, and your own company car, which will be a brand new (laughs) Mercedes-Benz. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's, that's, that was the guy's response as well. He said, wow, are you kidding me? And the reviewer said, yeah, but you started it. <laughs> so that's a case of unrealistic expectations. And I think that that's often the case when we enter into relationships with other people. We come into them with unrealistic expectations. Or we imagine our future relationships, all right? Like I remember when I was single and I would imagine what married life would be like. And it's exactly what I thought. It's exactly, if if Jennifer asks you, it was exactly what I thought it would be, all right? Uh, But no, we, we imagine our future relationships and we have all these romantic notions about what life with another person will be like or or a friendship or what it's like to be a parent or we you know and we have unrealistic expectations anybody else or just me right if i'm honest i came into marriage with some really unrealistic expectations we live in a culture that has convinced us that there is a person somewhere out there that will magically fill in all of our gaps they will make up for all of our shortcomings they will make our lives complete i call it the jerry maguire syndrome right you guys remember you complete me right what a bunch of hogwash <laughs> uh. but that's the lie that hollywood sells us and that's the lie that we often convey in the love songs that we sing First John 4, 8 says this. It says, God is love, right? But we often fall into the trap of believing that love is God. We make that the ultimate thing, right? Thinking that that is what is going to satisfy. And it is the love that flows from the Father that, that is able to, to change and shape and, and remake us but it flows from who He is. And if we, get the, if we get it backwards, if we make love out to be God, rather than the person that God is emanating love from Himself, then we get the cart before the horse and we end up seeking after things that were not intended to be worshipped. So let, let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's dive in, alright? So, When we talk about unrealistic expectations, and I kind of alluded to it just now, what we're really talking about is idolatry. When you really boil it down, when you really begin to drill down into what this is all about, it's our tendency to worship things rather than God as if they were God, to look to them for our sustenance, for our identity and our value. When we think and live as if love can save us, we trade the truth of God for a lie. In Romans 1.25, the Apostle Paul talks about that. He says, because they traded the truth of God for a lie, they worshipped and served the things God made, rather than the God who made all things. And so when we talk about love, again, we, what we're talking about is when we begin to worship love, as if it were the thing, right? The thing that God created, this relationship that God created to bring honor and glory to Himself, we begin to worship that thing rather than God Himself. We trade the truth of God for a lie, and then we begin to pursue things that are inferior to the thing we need the most. So, Let's take a look at the unrealistic expectations in in this week's song, all right? So we'll start with the title of the song, because that's the most obvious one, right? That's the biggie. You make my dreams come true. You make my dreams come true. This is the lie that says that there is a person, another human being, who can fulfill the deepest longings of my heart. The problem with this is that people weren't created to bear that kind of weight. People were not created to bear that kind of weight. If if I'm honest with myself, right? if If I look at myself, and if you look at yourself, we know that we are not equipped to do that for anyone else. As much as I love Jennifer, as much as I want what... I want the best for her, I want her to experience the greatest things in life, I want her to become all that God has called and created her to be, I want her to reach her fullest potential. As much as I want that for her, I am unequipped to satisfy the deepest longings of her heart. Because I am just as broken as anyone else. I am just as in need as anyone else, and so are you. We were not created to bear that kind of weight. We were not created to fulfill the deepest longings of someone's heart. In fact, each of us was created so that only God would be able to fill the deepest longing and need of our heart. And so anywhere we search, whether it's another person or whether it's an advancement at work or whether it's riches or whether it's leisure, whatever it is that we are pursuing, thinking that it will give to us the deepest longing of our heart, we are looking to the wrong thing. We have created a false God. We've created an idol that cannot satisfy us. And so we often believe this lie about love that says there is another person out there if I can just find them will satisfy the deepest longing of my soul. We make them out to be our Savior. This is why so often we see people in marriage relationships who are dissatisfied and who look elsewhere. Because the God that they were worshiping let them down. And they're trying to find a better God. We have these expectations, and if we're honest, we know they're not possible because we don't hold ourselves to them. I have no expectation that Jennifer will be able to meet the deepest longings of my heart, so how unfair would it be of me to hold her to that standard as well? She's not created for that. Your husband, your wife, your significant other, your children, your, they're not created to bear that kind of weight. They will be crushed underneath it. Timothy Keller said this Timothy Keller said, Marriage is two broken people having little broken people. <laughs> Y'all, if you parents are laughing because you know it's true. Little sinners, man, they come out of there just. <laughs> you don't have to teach a kid to lie. Yeah, you know, you got to teach them to tell the truth. Well, I mean, so anyway, I, that's a, that's a, I digress. But we come into every human relationship with broken people. Every relationship that you have is with a broken person. It's only when we understand that and when we live in that understanding that we can have realistic expectations for the people around us. But often what we do is we hold people to a standard that we would never hold ourselves to. Right? If if I mess up, my expectation is that the people around me will extend grace to me, that they'll forgive me, and, and that they'll say, Oh, he's just human. And all of us, if we're honest, say it would expect that for ourselves. But we often find it very difficult to extend it to other people. And that's because we often believe a lie about the role that that person is created to fill in our lives. So when we, But when we understand and we live in that space where we... We see others as we see ourselves, where we love people, you know, we love others, our neighbors as we love ourselves. It's only then that we can have those realistic expectations, that we can extend grace to others when it is needed, the same grace that we would expect to be extended to us. It's only then that we can find the proper place for our dreams, desires, goals, and expectations. Psalm 38, 9. I love this verse. And this is from the Passion Translation. I love the way it's worded. It says, Lord, you know all my desires and deepest longings. My tears are liquid words and you can read them all. You know, I sit with people often who are going through pretty rough stuff in their life and the tears will be flowing down their face and they'll be telling me what's going on, right? I can't... I mean, I can't read those tears. I, I can't read every thought that's going on. I, I don't know what's really going on in their heart. I, I I can hear the words that they're saying, and I can do my best to empathize, and I can do my best to offer good counsel from God's Word, but, but there's only so far that I can go. I'm limited in my ability. I'm finite in my understanding, and so are you, right? But we... If we give our deepest desires to the Lord, if we cast them all on Him, He can read those tears as liquid words. He knows every thought. He knows every desire. He knows every longing. He knows who you are and where you are. And He alone is able to bear up and stand up underneath the weight of all of that. Only God can satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. Psalm 37.5, again, the psalmist says, Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. We like to stop there oftentimes. Um, and really what we have is misplaced Desire. Which is why we pursue false gods in the first place, because in in reality, we're not really all that in touch with what the deepest need, the deepest desire, the deepest longing of our heart is. In fact, Scripture would tell us that it's only when God, by His Holy Spirit, comes in and begins to draw us and begins to show us what's really going on in our heart, it's only then that we're able even to fully comprehend what it is that we have need of. And so what the psalmist is saying here, he says, make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. Do you notice the priority here, right? The the priority here is not that I seek after the deepest longing of my heart, it's that I put God before everything else, and then right? It's then that I find the deepest longing of my heart satisfied, right? He will provide for you what you desire the most. And then here's the key. In verse 5, it says, give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. You see, we are so prone to think that we know what is best for us, We, we tend to think that, you know, I should have the right to decide what my life is. This is my life. I get to choose. And I suppose, I suppose to a degree that's true. God gave us a free will. But man, how prone are we and how... How do we over and over and over again run to things that do not satisfy and run to things that will leave us empty and run and, and elevate people to positions that they should not be in our lives so that we begin to look to them to be the one who can satisfy our deepest longing? Well, that will never happen. But if I place God in the place that He alone can fill, then all the rest of those things begin to fall into their proper place as well. In fact, the scripture says it this way. If we seek God, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, then all of these things will be added to us as well. So the first lie that we see in this song is, you make my dreams come true. The second lie is this, you are my comfort. You are my comfort. Uh, In verse number two of the song, he says, on a night when bad dreams become a screamer, When they're messing with the dreamer, I can laugh it in the face. Because, girl, you, you make my dreams come true. Right? And so what he's saying is, you're my peace in this life. You're the thing that I hold on to when things are getting rough. You're the one that I run to when I'm afraid. You're my comfort. You ever fall asleep on your arm and wake up and your arm is numb? So I remember one time I had done that, and of course, you know, when you when you first wake up, things are a little foggy, and you're not thinking straight. All you can think is, "I can't move my arm, right?" And so, uh, my alarm was going off, and my, my right arm was numb. And I keep my alarm on the on the left side of the bed. I sleep, you know, and so um, so I wanted to turn the alarm off, but I couldn't move my arm. But I'm still a little bit foggy, and so you don't think I could just reach over with my left arm. Uh, <laughs> so you do this thing, right, and, <laughs> and, and bam, and I knocked the alarm off the, uh, off the nightstand, but anyway, uh, that's a whole different story, but when Jennifer and I first got married, uh, we, were, uh, we were asleep one night, and Jennifer fell asleep on her arm and woke up, and her arm was numb, and um, And so we're laying in the bed, and she reaches up, you know, and sees there's this arm by her head. And she reaches up to feel of her arm, and she can't feel her arm, and she can't, like, move it. And so she's like, oh, man, my arm is asleep. And so she grabs the arm and throws it. The problem is it wasn't her arm. It was mine, (laughs) right? And so... So I'm asleep, right? Like this. I'm like I'm dead to the world. I'm out, and she grabs my arm and throws it. And I, I mean, it's like I thought I was fighting for my life, you know. So I sit up in the bed. I'm like, ah, ah, and and then I figure out what's going on, and I, I look over. I was like, "What are you doing?" Why, you know? And, and she explained to me what had happened that she fell asleep, and you know, she thought it was her arm, and you know, so. um So what's the point of all that, right? That's, um, the point is this, that we often fall asleep at the wheel, as it were. We fall asleep on our arms, spiritually speaking, and we're disconnected from the thing that we need the most, and we start to grasp for things that cannot bring us the comfort that we need, that cannot satisfy the need of our heart. And in the process, we can wind up injuring someone else. Jesus warned us about people who seek comfort in the things of this life. In Luke chapter 6, verse 24, he said, What sorrows await those of you who are rich in this life only, for you have already received all the comfort you'll ever get. Now Jesus here is is talking about wealth, uh, and it's it's worth noting that he doesn't say there's anything wrong with having having wealth, but he does say that if you have wealth in this life only, if you are rich in this life only, if these are the things that I am trusting in, whether it's my spouse or a friend or my children or um, you know my parents or whether it is uh, wealth or power, or influence, or whatever the case may be, if I am trusting in the things of this life to be what brings me comfort and peace, man, this is a scary thing because Jesus says, that's all the comfort that you'll ever get. So if my comfort, if my peace, is based on whether or not Jennifer and I see eye to eye on everything in our lives, I'm in trouble. You know, there's another, another, another text where Jesus says um, that if you are if you're living for the applause of men, and I can just imagine Jesus doing this, right? That's, at least this is how it happens to me. He goes, if you want the applause of men, You have your reward, right? I mean, how empty are the things that we pursue? How empty are they? And yet we run after them time and time again, and we look to things that were never made to provide for our peace and our comfort. Now, I will say this. God can and does use the people in our lives to bring us comfort to encourage us to support us in our darkest of times but when we begin to look at that other person rather than Jesus as the source of that comfort and peace then we're headed for we're headed for a disaster because ultimately they will disappoint us at some point for those of you who have gone through the membership process here at the church, when you go to the Discover Lunch, which is actually now part of our growth track, but when we used to have our Discover Lunches, Mel would say there are two promises that we'll make you as a church, right? The first promise is that if you stay around here long enough, we'll disappoint you, right? Because, because we will. We're we're people, we're human. At some point, Mel or I or someone will say something from this stage that you may not agree with, or we'll make a decision as a church that, that you may not have made if you were the one getting to make that decision. At some point, you'll be disappointed, right? But he always follows it up with the second promise, which is, but if you will sit down, we'll discuss it, we'll talk it out, we'll walk through it together, we'll find a place of resolution, and we'll continue to move forward as a family of God because that's what families do. But if you think that this church is the source of your peace and comfort, you will be disappointed. If you think there's any person who can be the source of your peace and comfort, you will be disappointed. Because those gods will always let us down. Those gods will always ultimately fail you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for He is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them this same comfort that God has poured out on us. You see, God does use us to bring comfort to people, but I want you to notice the progression in this, in this verse, right? He, God, is the Father of tender mercy, the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. Comfort issues from God is given to us through Jesus and then we are called to extend that to the people around us. But we have to always keep in its proper place the fact that it all begins and ends in Jesus. He is the source. God is our comfort. God is our strength. God is who we look to when things are rough. And then we're able to have our relationships with others in the proper perspective. If if I do that, if I recognize that it's God who's at work, then I'm able to, to give thanks for and love my wife or my friends or my mom and dad or my children. I'm able to love them in the proper way because I don't place upon them an unrealistic Expectation. I'm just simply able to be grateful for what it is they bring into my life, and then extend grace for the times when we may not see eye to eye. It all begins in God. He is the giver of comfort. He is peace. If we go, all, if we go back to Romans chapter one verse twenty-five, which we read at the very beginning. But when we trade the truth of God for a lie, we end up worshiping created things rather than the creator. So lie number one, you make my dreams come true. Lie number two, you are my comfort. Lie number three is this, you are my salvation. You are my salvation. There's a line in the song that says, I ain't the way you found me and I'll never be the same. And really, this is, this is at the crux of what we have, as a culture, as in America, have tended to believe about love. Man, if you watch, uh, if you watch like, rom-coms, the rom-coms, you know, the chick flicks, every time, right, there's, there's some guy or some girl who comes to save the poor sap whose life is falling apart. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says there's no one else who has the power to save us for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. Look, God, again, God uses people around us and he uses each one of us which is incredible. I'm so blown away that God invites us to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. And and God does do that. He he uses those around us. He uses us to be a part of the work that He is doing. But it's only Him who saves. If we ever fall into the trap of thinking that there's another person who can save me, or if we ever fall into the trap of believing that, uh, man, we're doing such a great job here at the summit that there's you know, man, we are in dangerous, dangerous territory there. When we place our ultimate trust in people, they will at some point disappoint us, but God will never fail us. He is more than enough to hold up under the weight of our deepest desires. He is more than able to bring comfort into the darkest night of our soul. He alone saves. He alone can make new. And it's only when we place God in his proper place in our lives that we are then able to love others well. If I were to place or you are to place the weight of our comfort, our dreams, our hopes and desires, our salvation onto another person, not only will they not be able to carry that weight, but that's not loving them at all. To have that kind of expectation on another person is not loving toward them. Because in that relationship, I have nothing to give, nothing to offer, right? And God calls us to serve those that we are in relationship with, to pour ourselves out for them. You see, uh, Timothy Keller um, said this. He said, love, in a Christian way, is to say, I am excited about your future, And I want to be a part of getting you there. I'm signing up for the journey with you. Would you sign up for the journey to my true self with me? It's going to be hard, but I want to get there. But you see, I I can't pour myself out for someone else if I'm expecting them to be able to save me. But... If I look to Christ... For my salvation. If I look to him to satisfy the deepest longings of my heart. If I look to him to be my peace and my comfort. Not only will I find that he poured himself out for me. And he is more than enough to satisfy every longing of my heart. What I find is that not only is he enough for me. But then it begins to overflow. It begins to pour out of me. And I am able then to serve others well. I am able then to love others well. I am able then to to give myself to God to bring someone else into the future that God has created for them, to help them to become all that God has created them to be. And then I'm able to grasp hands with them and as they are loving Christ well, as they are allowing Christ to be their all in all, we hold hands together and we move forward together into the place that God has called us to be and we bring honor and glory to Him and we are able then to realize the best for one another. But we can never do that if we're expecting the other person to make me my best self because I will always be in the place of need and not have anything to give back and I will make that relationship into my God I will make that person into the idol that I worship in in the in the play Romeo and Juliet Shakespeare's play Romeo and Juliet Uh, Really, he paints for us a tragic picture of people who create idols out of each other. And and actually, Shakespeare knows exactly what he's doing because there's a line in the play where um, Juliet is talking to Romeo and she says this, she says, Do not swear at all, or if thou wilt swear by thy gracious self, which is the God of my idolatry, and I'll believe thee. So what she's saying to him is, just make me some promises and I'll believe it, because you're my you're my God. You're the thing I worship. Now We enter into those kind of relationships subconsciously, and and your relationship probably won't end in the same way that Romeo and Juliet's did. But if you have been around any time at all, you probably know some people who've died a slow death because of that kind of relationship. They sucked the life out of one another and they were never able to become who it was that God had called them to be. They were never able to realize the full potential of of what God had created them to be because they were too busy looking at inferior gods and blaming someone else for what was going on in their heart. You see, that's what really begins to happen, right? When when I'm expecting someone who's not equipped to be God, to be the God of my life and I'm looking to them for the things that I desire the most what ultimately ends up happening is that they will disappoint me and then we end up sitting in a boneyard of regret and we have all of this built up hostility toward that other person because our we don't like it when our gods fail us but if i can see that person as they are if i can love my neighbor as i love myself And I can have grace for the journey with them and we can together become who God has called us to be and in the moments where we may not see eye to eye, in the moments where there's disappointment, in the moments where there's heartache and heartbreak I can look to the true source of comfort and peace the one who alone can satisfy the deepest desire of my heart, the one alone who saves And as he pours grace upon grace upon grace, then I am able to live graciously toward other people and call them higher. Martin Luther said this. He said, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God, your functional Savior. So I would ask you today, who or what is functioning as your Savior this morning? What is it that you look to when things are tough? What do you worship? For some of you, maybe it's a relationship. I mean maybe you're in a relationship where you've, you've placed an expectation on that person that they be the one who satisfies all your longings and you sit here today and you go, Todd, I'm, I'm disappointed. Maybe it's a bottle. maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's leisure. Man, there are people who run everywhere trying trying to relax, right? It's just not enough. Thaddeus of Vitovnik has said this, One must love God first, and only then can one love one's closest of kin and neighbors. We must not be idols to one another, for such is not the will of God. Dennis de Rogemont said, love ceases to be a demon only when it ceases to be a God. Do you see how much different this proposition is than expecting another human being to be the key to our true selves? This kind of love allows us to pursue Christ together, to encourage and help each other, to give grace where it is needed, and not to crush one another under the weight of our deepest needs. If another human being could save us, there would have been no need for Jesus to die. But He did die. He died in our place for our sins. He died to satisfy the deepest longing of our heart, the deepest need of our soul. He died to purchase our peace, to be the one who comforts us. He died to save us so that we could know him, we could have life. Maybe you're here today and you've been waiting for somebody to save you. Look, maybe you're married you're sitting next to that person today, and you guys are at one another's throats because you've placed expectations on them that just weren't meant to be there. Maybe you're single, and you've gone from relationship to relationship to relationship, and you've found yourself disappointed and come up empty-handed because you've been expecting, man, there's there's the one that's out there that's going to make me whole. He is out there today, and his name is Jesus. Maybe you've placed unrealistic expectations on yourself and you keep thinking, if I could just do this or if I could just get that promotion or if I could just achieve this one thing, then then I would be where I want to be. Everything would be okay. Can I tell you that if you're in that position today, you've made yourself out to be God and you're seeking after empty things. There is only one who is able to fill that longing in our soul there's only one who's able to save us and his name is Jesus today so whoever or whatever you've made the object of your worship they will let you down they weren't created to bear that weight but there's one who is today let's bow our heads God, I'm so grateful today for what you have done on our behalf. What you did for us so that we might be saved, so that we might have peace, so that the deepest need of our soul, the deepest longing of our soul could be satisfied. Jesus, you make my dreams come true. Lord, in fact, it's more than I could have ever asked for. You are more than I could ever long for. You are more than enough for every need. You are more than enough for every moment. You are more than enough for every trial. You are more than enough. I pray, God, that you would teach us to set our eyes on you. our eyes on you so that we might then be able to walk hand in hand with those that you've called alongside us and we can pour ourselves out for each other, serve one another well love one another well bring glory to the one alone who saves in Jesus name can you keep your heads bowed for just a moment If you're here today, and maybe there's something that I said that really resonates in your heart today, and there's there's something going on, God is talking to you right now. You say, Todd, I'm not following Jesus today. He's not my everything today, but I want Him to be. If that's you, would you raise your hand and let me see where you are? I'm not going to call you to the front or embarrass you. I just want to be able to pray with you today. Thank you. I see you up there in the balcony. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you over here on my left. I see you. Thank you. I want Jesus to be my everything today. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. That's what I'd like to do. I'd like everyone uh, to pray this prayer with us today. Say, dear Jesus, I want you to be my everything I bring myself to you today and I lay myself down I need you forgive me for trusting in other things from this day forward my life belongs to you thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being the answer to my heart's deepest longing. I trust you. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate that today. If you prayed that prayer today and you prayed it for the very first time, Uh, I'd I'd like to invite you there's a card in the seat back in front of you if you could just let us know that you made a decision for Jesus today we would love to be able to be a part of walking with you through that journey of helping you grow in your faith take the next steps that God uh, is calling you to take so that you can experience the life that God has created you for Uh, and so if, if if you could do that for me that'd be great also if you're watching online or if you're not near one of the cards in the room if there's not a card close to you if you're watching online Uh, You can text the word SALVATION to the number 555-888 and you'll receive some further instructions there and uh, we'll connect you with somebody and give you some resources to help you on your journey with Christ. Uh, I promise you today, you will never regret the decision that you made today. He is more than enough. He is more than enough and he has proven himself time and time and time again. Amen stand this morning we're going to sing one more song of worship together this song says you are my everything and i adore you so as we sing those words today let's make those our prayer as well say god be everything to me amen i love you i'm so glad i get to be one of your pastors god bless you have a great day